Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. Psalm 126 is a Rube Goldberg machine of joy. It's a song to lead you from what was to what will be. So if you feel spiritually uh, stuck, then Psalm 126 is for you. Now, we've all seen Rube Goldberg machines, whether we realize it or not. If you've ever seen Wallace get out of bed or poach an egg in Wallace and Gromit, or if you've seen how Doc Brown feeds his dog Einstein in Back to the Future, then you will be familiar with Rube Goldberg machines. Maybe you've even made one at school. It's a machine based on the principle of knock-on effect. Uh, This lever knocks this particular ball that falls onto a weight, that lands on a seesaw, that lights a match, that sets off a firework, that hits the target, that knocks over a bowling ball, and so on and so on and so on. Cause and effect. And there is a Rube Goldberg machine that results in joy, meaning that Uh, There are actions that if you take them, that they will lead to a knock-on effect that increases joy in your life. And if you're like me, and you've been struggling with finding joy over the past little while, then this is really good news. And Psalm 126 gives us an insight into how it might work. And this is why I have titled Psalm 126, a song that leads us from what was to what will be. A song that leads us from what was to what will be. So I hope you have your Bible open so that you can track with me. First of all, Psalm 106. Psalm 126 is all about joy. In just six verses... Uh, The phrase songs of joy is mentioned three times, while the phrase filled with joy is mentioned once. So joy is a big deal in Psalm 126. But how do we get there? Well, let's look at this Rube Goldberg machine. Verse 1, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. Okay, so this is step one in the Rube Goldberg machine of joy. The Lord restoring the fortunes of Zion. The Lord restoring our fortunes. And this leads to the next effect. We were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Our tongues with songs of joy. Cause and effect. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Then verse 2b kind of swings around and hits verse 3, knock on effect. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. 
Now, to help us keep in mind these steps, I'm going to give each step a bit of a title. So, step one is restoration, that the Lord, in verse one, restores the fortunes of Zion. And this leads to step two, rejoicing, right? You know, the dreaming and the laughing and the songs of joy that we read about in uh, verse one, the latter end and the start of verse two. And this, in turn, leads to what, what, what we're calling this morning renown. Now, this is God's renown, not our renown. It's his fame, not ours. The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for them. This is the word on the street. This is what people are saying. And this leads to step four, realization. Now, it's a personal realization. Uh, The Lord has done great great things for us. So restoration leads to uh, rejoicing, which leads to renown, which leads to realization. And this moment of realization, when our hearts go Yeah, the Lord has done great things for us. This is the moment where joy explodes into being, that God has done great things for us. Now, I want us to say this all together. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. God has done great things for us. One more time. God has done great things for us. God has done great things for us and to arrive at this realization that God has done great things for us, we have to back up to restoration. Now we all long for restoration. We all have relationships that need restoring. We all have wounds or hurts in our lives that need restoring. We all have sin-ruined or sin-ruined minds and bodies that need restoring. And Psalm 126 shows us that God is the restorer. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. Now, now we most clearly see God's restoring power there on the cross. Um, through Christ's sacrifice, restoring a lost humanity to their creator, restoring honor and dignity to a people who were in shame, um, restoring hope to a human race that had long abandoned it, thinking that there was no hope. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, says Ephesians chapter 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Amen. This is restoration. And the psalmist in verse 1 of Psalm 126 is remembering past restoration. When, when God did that thing that reestablished and rebuilt and restored a broken people. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. Now, this can also be translated as when the Lord brought the prisoners back. And this is most likely historically referring to the return from exile in the year 509 BC when Cyrus, the king of Persia, allowed the Jews to return home after 70 years of exile. Restoration. Restoration. 
And this restoration, this return from exile led to rejoicing. We were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not exiled here in Canada. I love this nation. I love this area. I, I love what God's called me to. And God has called us here to Canada. And we're serving him here as long as uh, he's, he's calling us. And as long as you will have us. But... When I fly home to London and then I drive across the Severn Bridge into Wales and I see this sign that says Croeso i Gymru, welcome to Wales, it feels like a dream. This is where my mum and my dad is and my family is, where the memories of my childhood are, where the ocean and the mountains are just moments away where the air has a salty tang and you can walk along the seafront eating fish and chips. This is the place where tidy means it's good and where lush means it's nice and where butt means friend and where bathers means swimsuit and and where achavi means that's nasty and where a bap means a bread roll. This is home. And this moment of restoration, of returning home, can sometimes feel unreal. We were like those who dreamed. But then that dream and that, and, and that feeling of, 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 uh, of being in a dream gives way to being truly happy. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And this is what the Jews were experiencing. They were home. That thing that they never thought could happen actually happened. And this morning, if you are Christ's, then you know the joy of coming home. You know spiritually what it means to return to that place that you were created for, your homeland. Now, maybe the clearest image that we have of this in the New Testament uh, is the homecoming of the Son in Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. With the taste of pig feed still in his mouth, I wonder what was the state of of mind of the son as the father embraced him, wrapped his arms around him. Do you think that perhaps he was like those who dreamed? You think maybe that this son's mouth was filled with laughter and his tongue was filled with songs of joy? Of course, of course that was what it was like. And so think back. Remember that moment when you felt the conviction of sin and the emptiness of all that this world has to offer and you repented 
And you believed that moment where you first followed Christ home, when you knew the welcome of a father and the fellowship of a brother, the friendship of a brother, when the Holy Spirit came and filled you, took up residence in your life, when you knew that you were justified and that things were right between you and God, when you knew that you were cleansed and transformed, that moment, remember it. Verse 2, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Restoration leads to rejoicing, which leads to step three, renown. This means that the people around you see that something has changed Now, Scripture actually says that this moment, that this change attracts some people and it repels others. Here in 2 Corinthians 2, 2 verse 15, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Verse 16, to the one we, we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And what this means is that, is that when a significant heart change, when Christ takes up residence in your life, some people are pleased with the transformation and then some people resent it because this change that has happened in you rubs them up the wrong way uh, and they now realize that you have something that they've never known. You, you have peace. Uh, you are You are settled, you are home, and they don't know how to get what you have. Which is why it's so important for you to know the gospel. It's so vital that you know how to explain to others how to find their way home. When the world sees a life that is changed, when the world sees a person or a family or a community return home from spiritual exile, the renown of God goes way up in their estimation, in their hearts and minds, like like way up. Verse 2, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Your restoration leads to God's renown. Even non-religious people start wondering uh, if this person who was so messed up is now at peace. Maybe there is something to to the message of the gospel. Maybe I could give it a go. After all, I've got nothing to lose. Um, And so the thought of God changing them now becomes a possibility. Now, they might not necessarily put it in those words exactly, but this is what's happening, that God is awakening in them the possibility that what he did for you, he could do for them. This is how salvation has actually always worked, that, that, uh, that folks see this incredible moment of someone coming home, of spiritual repatriation, and they, these, these folks who are observing, want in on the action. And then the Holy Spirit moves from person to person, convicting them of sin, leading to the, them to repentance and faith, and bringing them home. And if enough of this happens, then this is known as revival. And this renown next step leads to a fresh 
realization, not within them, but within you. When you hear someone say, hey, you're not the person that you used to be, what happened? Then you start thinking, hey, no way. That thing that God did inside me is noticeable. People are seeing it. Now, you don't necessarily see the change um, yourself. It's like looking in a mirror, you know, each morning and wondering whether you are growing or not. It's hard to see the change. Sometimes it needs, it, 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 it needs a great aunt Petunia to grab your cheeks and to say, wow, you've really grown. Or for me, it takes my daughters to come up to me and to pat me on the belly and say, hey, dad, you're getting fat. Now, I might not have noticed the belly growing, but they have, and of course, they ever so lovingly uh, let me know. And after that, I'm aware of it. Similarly, your spiritual growth is noticeable, just not necessarily to you. And so when someone... Whether, they, whether they're a Christian or not, looks at you and says something to the effect of the Lord has done great things for them, the Lord has done great things for you, this then causes you, like the psalmist does in verse 3, to say, hey, yeah, you're right, the Lord has done great things for me, and I'm filled with joy. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. And so the increased uh, renown of God due to your rejoicing, due to your restoration, then becomes this feedback loop of realization. If how it works, I think, psychologically is like this. If people see that I've changed and they're connecting that change you know, to Jesus, then I start to want to be the person that they see. And I start then to live up to their expectations, not in a negative way. It's like if my girls believe I can do something for them um, because they think I'm strong, then for them I want to be strong. I, 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 I And so I start to do things that will make me strong, and then I am strong, and then I become the person that they thought I was. Similarly, if people are seeing the change that Christ has wrought within me, then even if I don't, then even if I don't see the change, I want to be the person that they see, which leads me to change how I live so that I can be that person that they see me as, which eventually makes me that person which then makes people see the change in me even if i don't which then makes which then leads me to want to be the person that they want that they see me to be which then leads me to actually become that person which then which then helps them see a change in me and so on and so on and so on you understand right this is what's known as spiritual formation God's restoration of you leads to your rejoicing, which leads to God's increased renown in the minds of others, which leads to a deep realization of what God has done in your life. This is the Rube Goldberg machine of joy. Restoration leads to rejoicing, leads to renown, 
which leads to realization. Which is all well and good, but if you're sat there going, well, I don't feel restored right now. And if I don't feel restored, then I won't rejoice. And if I don't rejoice, then God's renown won't increase, which means I will never get that realization that things have changed. Maybe you're, 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 you're stuck. And maybe you've lost your joy because either you've leaked joy, like we all leak joy, or because you've allowed sin in. If your joy has somehow seeped away and you want to get that joy back, that joy that you once knew, if this is you and you don't know how to do it, um, if you feel that you're stuck in the misery of being Christ's but not being filled with the Spirit, if this is you, then what you need to do is you need to kick off you need to kick off again, you need to start again this Rube Goldberg machine of joy. But it can't start at step one. What we need is a step zero, something to come before step one. And so if this is you, uh, if this is how you feel, if you feel stuck, then what I want you to do is to listen to what God is saying to us through verses four to six. And so as I read this now, listen and see if you can't work out yourself at home. What is that missing step, that missing ingredient, that step zero? What is it that we need to do to kickstart this Rube Goldberg machine of joy? Here we go. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. So what is it, friends? How do we get back what we've lost? How can we restart God's Rube Goldberg machine of joy? What is being described in verses 4 through 6? It's a repentant spirit. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Now, we want the songs of joy, but in order to get those, we need to sow with tears first. Repentance is the resetting of God's Rube Goldberg machine of joy. Listen to these words that Paul wrote to a church that needed to repent. In 2 Corinthians 7 verse 9, yet now I am happy, this is Paul writing, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance, for you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Verse 10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Repentance is the reset of the soul. Now, we like to pretend that we don't need to repent. But when we do that, we're fools. Because we're saying that we no longer need God, that we're okay by ourselves. Repentance leads to restoration, which leads to rejoicing, which leads to renown, which, which results in realization. Realization. 
But I think that our Christian witness is so weak because we don't practice regular repentance. We don't do step zero. We want step three, four, and five without step zero. We've been fooled into believing that if I'm Jesus's, then I never sin, that I never leak, that I never fail. We're so afraid of being vulnerable and weak, and the church is actually dying from our unhealthy fear of being honest, of our um, sick preoccupation with success and putting our best foot forward. And so we walk around with a smile on our face and conflicted hearts and provoked consciences. Um, but what we've learned is we've learned to, to, to hide these feelings and to bury these promptings of the Holy Spirit instead instead of taking these promptings from the Holy Spirit and sowing them with tears. Psalm 126 promises a pilgrim people who had lost their joy that those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy, that those who, who go out weeping carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Those seeds turn into sheaves. Weeping leads to reaping. Weeping leads to reaping. Heartbreak leads to a harvest. A sorrow from God leads to a bumper crop. Singing upbeat songs won't lead to joy. Thinking positive thoughts won't lead us to find joy. Hoping that things will change will never lead us into joy. Walking back from fields with empty arms and prepare and pretending to everyone that our arms are filled with spiritual sheaves of joy. This fools no one. Folks can see that our arms are empty, that our hearts are empty, and we just end up looking like a bit of an idiot. So to get this harvest of joy, we need to reintroduce regular repentance into our lives. Every day, every evening, it's the only way back to joy. Sowing with with tears. Each tear that you cry in sorrow over your life that has wandered from God, that is a seed that is sown. Each lament over sin is a seed that is sown. Each time you mourn over the brokenness that still exists in your own life, this is a seed that is sown. We need to rediscover grief over a life that breaks our Father's heart. And this repentance leads to restoration. Repentance is the first step. It means coming to your senses like the prodigal son in Luke 15 with your head hanging low and saying to your heavenly father, Father, I've I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, your daughter. Make me like one of your hired servants. And friends, I cannot explain to you, I cannot really describe to you what the Father's heart is like in that moment. 
when he sees you sorrowful with your head hanging low, looking dejected and mournful and tired and smelly and weary and gross. He sees you and he loves you. He doesn't wait for you to trudge home and then look at you with a raised eyebrow and say, uh, I thought that you'd left. That's not what he does. He sees you from afar and he's filled with compassion for you and he runs towards you and he throws his arms around you and he kisses you. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on her finger and sandals on her feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son, this daughter of mine was dead and is alive again. He or she was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This morning... You're in a moment that could lead you from what was through to what will be. This morning, you can start the journey that leads back to joy. Repentance leads to restoration, leads to rejoicing, leads to renown, leads to realization. But it starts with repentance. There is a song that leads you from what was to what will be. And these are the lyrics. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Or as Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is God's promise to you, and I cannot think of a better word for us this morning. Music